Welcome to Meals for Maturity, Bible talks to help you mature as a follower of Jesus, by Pastor Dom Fiocco. Every year there is an award given out by an organisation called The Bookseller for the strangest title for a book published. The award started in 1978 with the winning entry, Proceedings of the Second International Workshop on Nude Mice. That was the title. 1994 is another good one. Highlights in the History of Concrete. I always think that's a really solid read, that one. 2004, Bomb Proof Your Horse. Teach your horse to be confident, obedient and safe, no matter what you encounter. And then in 2010, more recently, I'm managing a dental practice, the Genghis Khan way. That sure would be interesting and perhaps a little bloody. What this award shows us is that some people are just plain weird and they have more time in their hands than most to write such books. But it also shows us that some people are just passionate about the strangest things. We might even say at times people are zealous for any number of topics or ideas. I'm not sure if you're in the middle of writing any books at the moment. If so, think wisely about your title. It might well, up, it might well end up winning the Booksellers Prize. Well, I want to pause in our wilderness wanderings for just one Bible talk and explore with you this theme of zeal. So what's the big deal with zeal and why do a Bible talk on it? Well, as I prepared the last Bible talk on Numbers chapter 25, it struck me that we don't actually think or hear much about zeal anymore in the Christian church, at least not in the circles I move in. But Numbers chapter 25, you see, is, a re is really a chapter about zeal. Remember what happens in the previous Bible talk? Phineas, a priest, the grandson of Aaron, uh, watches Zimri, an Israelite, hook up with his Midianite girlfriend, Cosby. And then they parade past Moses and the other leaders of the tabernacle. And Zimri takes Cosby inside the family tent and commits sexual immorality, as well as breaking uh, a number of other holy laws from God. And this then becomes the last straw for Phineas, remember. In light of the sinful rebellion happening between Israel and the Moabites at the start of chapter 25, Phineas, here with raging passion and zeal, grabs a spear, walks into the bedroom of Zimri and plunges his spear both, into both Zimri and Cosby in the middle of their sexual activity and kills them dead, piercing them straight through with his spear. And then what follows this incredible account of this murderous action by Phineas the priest, instead of being viewed as sinful in God's sight, it is actually credited to be godlike in character. Phineas is said to be zealous for God's holiness. He's kept God's honour intact and he's blessed, remember, with a covenant of peace, this ongoing priesthood that comes from his family tree. And Phineas's action actually turns away God's anger against sinful Israel. His bloody spear makes atonement for God's people as a sinner, or in this case, two of them, die in place of the whole nation. And God's wrath is turned aside, turned away. And the plague that has been coming upon Israel, remember killing 24,000 people, has been brought to an end. Phineas's zeal is praised by God. He is a God-pleaser because of his zealous act. So that's the context for this Bible talk on zeal. 
And here's where I'll take us on, on this topic today. Real, zeal, real Deal Zeal is the name of the Bible talk, and I want to I unpack it in three ways. Firstly, understand zeal, so define it, looking at unreal zeal or false zeal, and then looking at real zeal or true zeal. And then secondly, I want to give us some models of zeal across Scripture and also across church history. And then I want to finish by looking at real zeal in real deal believers who have been shaped by God's Word. So that's where we're going. Well, how do we define zeal? Well, the dictionary definition is simple enough. Great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an objective. So if you write a book about nude mice or nervous horses, it's because you're zealous for your topic, which probably makes for a good read when you think about it, rather than an author who is not really zealous for their material. It probably wouldn't turn out very good. But thinking Christianly, about zeal, we can do better with our definitions. J.C. Ryle, a godly Anglican minister from the late 1800s across England, he gives us this good definition, I think. He, he writes, Zeal is a burning desire to please God, to do His will, and to advance His glory in the world. He or she is earnest, hearty, uncompromising, wholehearted, fervent in spirit. That pretty much sums up Phineas, doesn't it? Wanting to please God, wanting to advance glory to his name wholeheartedly and with a fervent or passionate spirit. Now, of course, zeal can actually get a bad name nowadays. And there can be unreal zeal, that is false zeal, zeal that's misplaced, especially when you link zeal with religion. And you only have to think of September 11 and other Islamic zealots that cause great terror and grief across many corners of the globe. Or think about Hindu and Buddhist zealots continuing to persecute the Christian church in places like India and Nepal and Myanmar. Or think again of the state religious worship in China and North Korea. They could be examples of zealots. It's false zeal at work. Or you can Google many tragedies of religious cult leaders, some of them, sadly, under the guise of Christianity. They are zealous for their cause, which is ultimately, I think, satanic. So with all these examples, you soon realise that zeal can actually be a terrible trait and it can actually do all sorts of harm. Or you can get zealous fanatics today causing all sorts of grief across mainly Western society, Think of, you could be zealous as an anti-vaxxer, zealous for climate change and renewables. You could be zeal for, for Trump to be president for life or zeal for your particular uh, political ideology. We get overzealous parents sometimes on sidelines of your kid's footy match, deciding to punch the referee out at half time. And you can be, uh, we can see zealous, uh, uh, countries zealous for gold medals at the Olympics. So illegal steroids are actually pumped into the bloodstream of athletes, sometimes unknowingly, by wicked hierarchies. I'm sure you can think of various forms of zeal that you see today. Maybe you even display zeal in some way or form yourself. But thinking Christianly, though, all these forms of zeal that I've talked about are actually false zeal. They are unreal zeal because we need to concern ourselves with true zeal, real zeal, that is, holy fire and desire 
rightly tempered and wisely understood for the things of God. Holy fire and desire, rightly tempered and wisely understood for the things of God. So to be zealous for the things that actually please God, that win his approval, his favour, that win his smile, that win the well done, good and faithful servant. A burning desire, remember J.C. Ryle's definition, a burning desire to please God, to do his will and to advance glory, his glory in the world. Well, perhaps the best way to understand and explore this idea of zeal is to think of uh, some examples, some models that we've been given across Holy Scripture and across church history. Now, in the Old Testament, there are some obvious examples of zeal. Let's start with the positive ones, the godly zeal. And of course, Phineas leads the charge here, doesn't he, with his spear in hand. Elijah is also described as a man of zeal across a time of Israel's history when Baal worship, like in Numbers chapter 25, is prevalent. King David, in his good moments, is zealous for the Lord. Nehemiah is a man of zeal as he goes about rebuilding the temple of the Lord after the exile. We could say that many so-called minor prophets are also zealous for God's honour, especially for his justice and mercy to be upheld. Think of Amos, for example. And then you get some negative examples of zeal across the Old Testament or some failed attempts of zeal. So Jonah's probably one, remember, zealously running away opposite from what God wants him to, where he, God wants him to go and the message that God gives him to proclaim. Uh, King Saul in 2 Samuel 21, he misplaces his zeal as he strikes the Gibeonites. And you might be able to think of a couple of other negative examples. The New Testament examples for zeal are many. Some godly, others misplaced zeal. So the Apostle Peter, remember, is zealous for Jesus when he whips out his sword to cut off the high, high priest's servant's ear. Remember at the arrest of Jesus. Now that's probably misplaced zeal there. Even one of Jesus' disciples, remember Simon, is given the nickname Simon the Zealot. This is well before the zealots were actually recognised in the late first century AD of the movement. The Pharisees, with their man-made law-keeping, certainly give us zeal, but according to Jesus, it's misplaced zeal. And James and John, in the Gospel accounts, they earn the nickname Sons of Thunder, uh, probably because zeal might blow up any time across their lives. Uh, one of my favourite responses is from the disciples when they ask Jesus, can they call down fire from heaven to blast a certain Samaritan village off the map who refused to believe in Jesus. There's certainly zeal going on there. But Jesus, thankfully, corrects this misplaced zeal, which means as a pastor, I'm not allowed to call down fire and curses upon certain people. An obvious New Testament player when it comes to zeal is Paul. In fact, we're told he's zealous before he comes to Christ and then zealous after his conversion as well. So Saul of Tarsus, the Pharisee, has misplaced zeal, while Paul the Apostle and his zeal for the gospel is commended to us. Remember in Galatians chapter 1, uh, verses 13 to 14, he writes concerning his zealous persecution of early uh, Christians. This is pre-Acts chapter 9. He writes, uh, For you have heard of my former way of life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently 
and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my age uh, among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father, of my fathers. And then upon his conversion, he writes Romans chapter 10 verses 1 to 3 and showing us that his zealous desire is now for the conversion to the gospel of his own Jewish people. He remains zealous for God, uh, the, the Jews rather, remain zealous for God, zealous for their religion, but it's misplaced zeal. Listen to what he writes, Romans 10. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, the Israelites, is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they do not submit to God's righteousness in Christ. And then, of course, if we speak of zeal across the New Testament, we must go and we must end up with the Lord Jesus. Remember in John's Gospel, we're introduced early on to the Lord Jesus and his zeal in John chapter 2, as Jesus clears the temple of wicked money changers and extortionists. Uh, and John quotes Psalm 69 verse 9 for us. Zeal for your house has consumed me, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. And then in John chapter 4 verse 34, we could say Jesus' mission is one of complete holy zeal of commitment and focus and all-consuming passion. John 4 verse 34, Jesus says to his disciples, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus zealous for the cause and advance of God's kingdom ultimately. And praise God for the models of real zeal, godly zeal, we've actually been given across church history. I know there's been some unhelpful models across church history, but let's focus on the ones worth emulating. So the great missionary zeal to take the gospel to the ends of the earth has been seen for us in men and women like William Carey, Amy Carmichael, Hudson Taylor, Elizabeth Elliot, Jim Elliot, Gladys Alwood, Eric Liddell. All these and many more that you might be able to think of, these faithful heroes of church history, they certainly display a burning desire to please God, to do his will, and to advance his glory in the world. Gospel zeal uh, can also be spotted in others, more recently, uh, who've gone to glory. Uh, Keith Green, sometimes perhaps overzealous in his statements early on in his ministry, but I think he gets it right at this moment when he wrote, We can be zealous at keeping rules, we can be zealous debaters and defenders of the truth. We can zealously pursue the gifts of the Spirit. We can even be zealously contentious and fight fleshly battles. But none of this is true zeal for God. We are supposed to direct all our zeal into our relationship with the Lord and then into our relationship with our neighbour. God wants us to get our eyes on Him, loving Him, is to be our cause. Uh, Billy Graham, certainly another example, another great example of a brother in Christ driven by zeal for the gospel to be proclaimed at every and any opportunity. Uh, Tim Keller and his zealous desire to see 
healthy gospel churches planted across the world is perhaps another example of zeal. And it's been said of some of the songs of Rich Mullins uh, that they are like a bouquet of flaming roses full of love and zeal for God. Have a listen to Rich Mullins sometime. You might uh, never have heard of some of these saints from church history or more recent times, so Google them sometimes and be inspired by their model of zeal that they've actually left for us. None of them, of course, are perfect and sinless. All of them carry flaws and failures. All of them are jam, just a man, or jaw, just a woman. But that aside, all of them give us a good glimpse of holy fire, burning rightly for God's honour. All of them stand perhaps in the shadows of Phineas, even if they don't pick up spears, which is probably a good thing. Well, finally, for this talk, for this different talk, I want to pull all this together under the heading Real Zeal in Real Deal Believers, shaped by God's Word. In other words, how can we rightly display this true zeal that is God-glorifying, Christ-honouring, and Holy Spirit-empowered? Answer, by looking to God's Word and asking for His help. Uh, so the number one point is really to meditate on Proverbs chapter 19, verse 2. Where we read Proverbs 19, verse 2. Zeal without knowledge is not good, and whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. This is simply reminding us, this proverb, that we can possess zeal like a Saul of Tarsus, like the Pharisees, even like a religious zealot today, but if it is zeal without true knowledge of the gospel, without love for God, then it's not good. It's actually false zeal, or what I've been calling unreal zeal. So you can have, for example, zeal for justice. But if it's not shaped by God's word, then it's not healthy. If your zeal for social action and for societal change, uh, but it, again, if it's not guided by Holy Scripture, it's not good. It's not to be pursued. If your zeal for change is actually driven by selfish ambition or fame or money or pride, if it's not guided by love for God and love for neighbour, then it is actually misplaced zeal. Zeal without knowledge is not good. But real zeal is shaped and guarded by God's word. So zeal with knowledge is a good thing. That is, zeal informed and reformed by God's word is a great pursuit and a great thing to actually pray for. Now, across the New Testament in particular, we're told of ways we are to be zealous. So Romans 12 verses 10 to 11 leads the way in our Christian life. In, our Christian life. in light of God's mercy and grace in Jesus, we are to... Verse 10, Romans 12, love one another with brotherly affection, sisterly affection. We are to outdo one another in showing honour. And then we read, Paul writes, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. In other words, the Christian life is to be lived well and not in laziness. That is to be hardworking in God's kingdom, however God has gifted you and with the temperament and energy levels and capacity that God enables you to have. In the words of American theologian Jonathan Edwards, one of his 70 resolutions that he wrote 
uh, was resolution number six, uh, resolved to live with all my might while I live. Or picking up on a modern day man of zeal, John Piper writes, we exist as Christians, we exist to spread a passion for the supremacy of God. Our zeal for living out the gospel, serving Christ in his church, witnessing in the world, living by faith in the family home, all these things and more, it means remembering Jesus' rebuke, I think, to the church of Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 to 16. Remember what Jesus writes? Uh, or he says to this church in Laodicea, I know your works, you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Instead, Jesus wants us to, Revelation chapter 3, verse 19, be zealous and repent. And to follow through on something like Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 to 10, Paul writes, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Another example from the New Testament of real deal zeal means being zealous for good works because the gospel has actually taken root in your heart and mind. Remember Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 14 reminds us, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, another example, reminds us to be zealous when it comes to our generosity. That is to see God's kingdom advance through the use of our money and resources. See that you excel in this grace of giving. Paul could well have written, be zealous in your giving. To God's kingdom. So zeal for Jesus, zeal for the gospel advancement, you see, is not about having the right personality. It's actually about having the right attitude and understanding or the knowledge of the things of God and his kingdom. And having zeal with knowledge only comes when we humble ourselves uh, and submit ourselves to listening, hearing more of God's word and allowing his Holy Spirit to shape us. Having zeal with knowledge is being overwhelmed by the grace of God in Jesus for you and me. Uh, this gospel that has taken us out of the kingdom of darkness and actually opened our eyes and brought us into the kingdom of light. And zeal uh, with knowledge only reveals itself when we fervently, uh, zealously, Ask God to give us his heart, his mind, his passion for the things of his kingdom. In the words of Christy Knuckles and, and a song she sings, This is the hour, she sings, This is the day. Trim your lamp and spend all that you have on the oil that keeps your flame lit until the day, until the day that he comes. 
That, my friends, is real deal zeal that is rightly lit by the Holy Spirit's fire in our hearts because of the gospel. Well, to bring this Bible talk to its pointy end, like Phineas's spear that started me thinking on this whole topic and theme of zeal, it really is to pray like King David does in Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with you? Well, may the Lord give to you and me more of his spirit, that we might zealously chase after more of his ways, now and into eternity, and that we might actually help one another in our churches be fervent in zeal for God's name and ultimately for his glory. Thanks for listening to Meals for Maturity. Keep growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ.